Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 78, and as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis, and this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets, and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. A quick progress update. We've now finished with the layout of the book and are now working on the cover design, which is the last stage before publishing the book. So hopefully in the next two to three weeks, the book will finally be ready. And as usual, we'll keep you posted on the progress. And now over to this week's podcast where we're reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 42nd week of 2023. And that is from Monday the 16th to Friday the 20th of October. And without further ado, this is your host, Jem Huri, And together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where on Thursday, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell acknowledged that inflation was cooling down, but insisted that the central bank would remain resolute in its commitment to bring inflation below its 2% target level. The chairman was speaking in a widely anticipated speech to the Economic Club of New York, where he declined to commit to a specific policy path and gave no indication that he was leaning towards a push for higher interest rates. He, however, acknowledged the progress made towards bringing inflation down to a manageable level, but stressed that vigilance would be required for the central bank to achieve its stated objectives. And over in the United Kingdom, on Wednesday, the Office for National Statistics reported that inflation in the UK came in at 6.7% in the month of September, which was slightly ahead of expectations, but was unchanged from the previous month. On a monthly basis, the headline consumer price index increased by 0.5%, which was in line with projections for an annual rate of 6.6% 6 
and a monthly increase of 0.5%. The core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, came in at 6.1% on an annual basis, down from 6.2% in August, but slightly above consensus expectations of 6%. The markets are now pricing in a 77% chance that the Bank of England will hold its benchmark rate steady at its next policy meeting on the 2nd of November. In the U.S. stock market, stocks retreated on Friday after a surge in the 10-year Treasury yield prompted concerns about the state of the U.S. economy. Following a mixed earnings report by American Express, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost about 286 points to close the day at 33,127. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 shed 1.26% to end the session at 4,224, and the Nasdaq Composite declined by 1.53%, to finally settle at 12,983. Concerns about higher interest rates weighed on the stock market during the past week as the Dow slipped 1.6%, whilst the S&P 500 shared about 2.4%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq declined by 3.2% for its second consecutive week of losses. Please note that the stock market is a leading indicator and points to the overall health and performance of a country's economy. In the U.S. bond market, U.S. Treasury yields ticked lower on Friday after rising to multi-year highs the previous day as investors digested comments by the Federal Reserve Chairman. On Thursday, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond crossed above 5% for the first time since July 2007, which is some 16 years ago. This spike in rates could ripple through the U.S. economy by raising interest rates on consumer debt, such as credit cards and mortgages. However, on Friday, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond fell back down to about 4.9%, whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note was trading at around 5.07%. The Fed Funds Futures is now pricing in a 96% chance that the Federal Reserve will keep rates on hold at its next policy meeting in November. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated, which means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall, and vice versa. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil took a slight dip on Friday after Palestinian freedom fighters released two U.S. hostages, raising hopes of a de-escalation in the Israeli-Palestinian crisis without engulfing the rest of the Middle East region and disrupting oil supplies. The release of the hostages took some risk premium out of the market, 
as the price of Brent crude ticked lower by 0.2% to settle at $92.16 a barrel. And the price of the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate Crude fell by 0.7% to $88.75 a barrel. Meanwhile, Marban Oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $94.03 a barrel from $89 flat the previous week. Please note that for importing countries, the price of crude oil is viewed as a major contributor to inflation as higher oil prices tend to lead to higher inflation. In the precious metals market, the price of gold continued to rise on Friday, moving closer to the key psychological level of $2,000 per ounce, mainly driven by the conflict in the Middle East as investors look to safe haven assets such as gold. The price of spot gold was up nearly 0.4% at $1,980 per ounce. Gold has risen about 2.9% this past week and added nearly $160 since the onset of the conflict. Amidst the rising geopolitical risks, investors are shifting towards safe haven assets and there is a real possibility that gold will break above $2,000 if the crisis in the Middle East continues to escalate. For your information, gold has an inverse relationship with the US dollar and was previously viewed as a hedge against inflation as well as a store of value during times of uncertainty such as this. In the cryptocurrency market, Bitcoin extended its weekly gains on Friday as it briefly topped $30,000 per coin, driven by confidence that a spot Bitcoin ETF will soon be approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission. According to Coin Metrics, the price of Bitcoin increased by 2.76% to close the week at $29,538 per coin. For the week, the flagship cryptocurrency gained about 10%, making it the best week since the 23rd of June. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and we start by looking at the domestic foreign exchange market where the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the Central Bank of Kenya, the official exchange rate for the US dollar was quoted at 14958 compared to 149 flat the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the US dollar at between 155 shillings on the lower side to above 158 shillings on the higher side. The lowest quote was by INM Bank at 155.30 and the highest rate was by Bank of Africa at 158. 
Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 181.73 and the euro was valued at 157.76. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.07 Ugandan shillings and 16.73 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.15. In the past one year, the Kenya shilling has lost about 20% of its value against the regional currencies, and this in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the East African region. The current trend suggests the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 65% of total revenue collections and what that means is that for every one shilling that kenya revenue authority collects 65 cents will go towards debt repayment on foreign exchange reserves kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by 39 million dollars to 6.83 billion dollars which is equivalent to 3.67 months of import cover This level is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. On diaspora remittances, the inflow of remittances in the month of September totaled $340 million compared to $318 million in September 2022, which was an increase of 7.1%. Meanwhile, the cumulative inflows for the 12th month to September 2023 totaled $4.142 billion. The United States remains the largest source of remittances into Kenya, accounting for about 57% of total remittances that were received in the month of September. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market was extremely tight during the past week as commercial banks turned to the lender of last resort for a record amount of about 100 billion shillings. The short-term cash crunch was partly linked to the T-bonus payments of about 44 billion shillings. The central bank had initially offered to inject 50 billion shillings into the market. However, during the auction, commercial banks applied for a total of about 99.8 billion shillings, which was all accepted by the central bank at a weighted average rate of 12.87%. Additionally, the excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement increased from 17.5 billion shillings the previous week to 18.9 billion shillings. 
Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate increased marginally from 12.16% the previous week to 12.58%. During the past week, the average value traded in the interbank market decreased to 19.3 billion shillings from 32.1 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 19th of October, and the central bank received bids totaling 29.6 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 123%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 27.4 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 23.5 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 8.5 basis points to average out at 15.04%, whilst the 182-day rate rose by 5.3 basis points to come out at 15.07%, and the 364-day rate was broadly flat at 15.34%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore, a 100 basis point is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remained focused at the short end of the yield curve where they can easily reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. In the primary bond market, the Central Bank of Kenya has published the prospectus for its November bond issue, and this time around it has opted to issue an amortized infrastructure bond with a duration of 6.5 years. The Central Bank is looking to raise 50 billion shillings and has invited bids for this bond whose terms and conditions are as follows. The minimum investment amount is 50,000 shillings and the coupon rate will be market determined, which means that the coupon rate will be determined by investors and this is calculated as the weighted average rate of accepted bids. On taxation, this is an infrastructure bond and therefore the interest earned on it will be tax-free as provided for under the Income Tax Act. Please note that this is an amortized bond, which means that a certain percentage of the bond will be redeemed before maturity, and therefore for more details on the redemption structure, please refer to the bond prospectus. The bond is now open for sale until Wednesday the 8th of November and the value date for this bond is Monday the 13th of November. And as is the norm with infrastructure bonds, we expect it to be heavily oversubscribed 
And at the same time, we expect investors to continue pushing for higher interest rates as they seek to protect the investments from a depreciating Kenyan shilling. You will note that over the past one year, the Kenyan shilling has depreciated by more than 20% versus the US dollar. And given that the dollar interest rates are now hovering around 5%, this implies that the break-even interest rate for the Kenyan shilling should now be at least 25%. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market increased by 193% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds increased by an average of 75 basis points, with the yield on the 10-year eurobond, which matures in 2024, increasing the most by 1.6 percentage points from 14.9% the previous week to 16.5%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange, during the past week, the equities market recorded a mixed performance, with the NSC 10 gaining the most by 0.9%, while the NSC 25 ticked up by 0.3%. Meanwhile, the NASI and the NSC 20 declined by 0.2% and 0.1%, respectively. This takes their year to date performance to losses of 26.8% for the NASI. 11.1% for the NSC 20 and 21.6% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly weighed down by losses recorded by large cap stocks such as Stanbic Bank, KCB Group, and Diamond Trust, which declined by 5.2%, 4.8%, and 2.2%, respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks, such as East African breweries, which increased by 5%, whilst Equity Group and NCBA Group both increased by 2.2%. Up next is our topical issue for this week, and this week we are looking at two related issues. The first issue is on Kenya's debt repayments, where according to the latest data published by the National Treasury, Kenya spent about 67% of its total tax revenues to service its mounting debt obligations in the first quarter of the current financial year. For the three months ended September 2023, Kenya's public debt repayments hit a record high of 347 billion shillings vis-a-vis the total tax collections which came in at 514 billion shillings. The Treasury has budgeted about 1.75 trillion shillings to facilitate the repayment of debts that are falling due this fiscal year, including the 2 billion euro bond which matures in June 2024. The second issue is on the Treasury's plan to settle the 2 billion euro bond. The Treasury Cabinet Secretary has indicated that the government plans to tap into concessional financing from both the World Bank and the IMF to facilitate the settlement of the 2 billion euro bond 
which matures in June 2024. The cabinet secretary said that the government would focus on concessional financing, which is cheaper for the country, and would only issue fresh debt in the international markets to complement any shortfalls in concessional financing. And the reason for that being that the prevailing global markets remain prohibitive for debt issuance as most major central banks continue to maintain higher interest rates in an attempt to contain inflation. Case in point is Kenya's dollar-denominated eurobond, which was last seen trading at around 16%, and explains why the country is unable to access the international markets to refinance its maturing eurobond. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, good decisions come from experience, but experience comes from making bad decisions. A quote by Mark Twain. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.